Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. It's the start of a new year, and we have a lot of great things coming up, including the 2023 launch of our small group. So make sure you're here on Sunday mornings and following us on Facebook and Instagram at My Collective Church to stay connected. We really want you to be a part of what God is doing here. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Any Eagles fans out there today? All right, all right, cool, very good. Uh, are there any fans of the refs who helped the Chiefs get into the Super Bowl today? Hey, come on, you know at Collective, we keep it real around here. And no matter what gear you are supporting today, if your team's on it, not in the Super Bowl, there's always hope for next year. I'm a very casual Broncos fan. That's what we have right now with a new coach is hope for next year. But whatever you think of the Super Bowl, eat all the hot dogs you can, eat your wings, your dip, rate the commercials, have a great time today. And... Little known fact, the college team tied for the most players in the Super Bowl is the Florida Gators. All right, let's get after it today. One thing you may or may not know about me, I am CT, but I am technically Dr. Christian Thompson. I don't really get too hung up on the title. I don't really love that people find it out about me, and I don't tell unless people ask. I was going to throw a picture up of my diploma to prove it, but I have no idea where my diploma is currently. (laughs) And my kids keep me in check. They tell me that I'm not a real doctor. And that title is not easily earned, right? That's a hard time in life. It's a lot of writing and classes, late nights in a freezing cold graduate room in Ohio, and then moving here, full-time job, full-time student, helping at the church, wife, life, kids. It is a time period in life that I'm glad is over, but I'm also a little bit proud of that accomplishment as well. And even though I am Dr. CT and I do have a PhD, what you may not know about me is I actually have two terminal degrees. As if one wasn't enough, I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment, or maybe I really am dumb like those sheeps that we have talked about so much the past few weeks. And Pastor Michael has kind of highlighted how we all have sheep moments in our lives. And today, as we close out this series, I want to start by reading Psalm 23 for us today. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams, renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You are close beside me, your rod and your staff comfort and protect me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head in oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live forever in the house of the Lord. And this morning, we're going to focus on verses 5 and 6. And there is so much goodness in these two verses. But just to start off, verse 5 tells us that God wants to prepare a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. And we know that God provides for what we need, but this isn't a need. Food absolutely is a necessity, yes, but a feast is a huge spread. And no matter who you are, what you think about God this morning, God wants to do this for you out of his unending love for you. 
This brings joy to God's heart. He wants to do this for you. He has a seat prepared for you with your favorite things. And in class, sometimes I like to ask my students the question of, if you knew when your last meal was, what would you pick for that last meal? I get all kinds of different responses, but usually it's their favorites. And here in Maryland, some part of that last meal would have to be crabs. Like, it just has to be crab cakes and football. Well, at least the crab cakes part of that. Let's talk about college for a minute. Your mascot is a turtle. What are you expecting? A turtle. I didn't know that the Ravens were playing today either. Congratulations. Oh, that's right. They're not playing today. But crab cakes, absolutely essential part of my last meal. Think about your favorites, though. What are your favorites? Key lime pie would have to be a part of mine. Absolutely. Fruit desserts over chocolate desserts any day of the week. But God wants to prepare a feast for you with all of your favorites. And you know this already. But when somebody does this for you, it's not just the food. Somebody knows you intimately enough to know what you love and what you really enjoy. And so they prepare that for you and you go home with a full belly and a full heart as well. And this is what God wants to give you. So taking a quick turn, are you showing up? The food's prepared. You have a seat at the table Are you showing up to the feast? In your life, are you saying yes to God's invitation? And Pastor Michael talked about how last week, sometimes we feel like we're going through the dark valley and we feel like we're going through it alone, but that's our fault, not God's. And in that same sentiment, what is your opinion of God? Would you tell the people sitting right next to you, would you tell your friends that he is a great God and he wants to give this feast to me? And if not, my follow-up question to you would be, are you showing up to his invitation or are you doing life on your own? And verse 5 also tells us that God wants to anoint us with oil. And let's pause right there for just a second. I am absolutely pronouncing this word the correct way. It is only one syllable. It is Oh, we are south of the Mason-Dixon line, in case you need proof. We are geographically a southern state, so y'all got to start saying some things southern. It's oil, not oil. (laughs) So why in the world would a sheep ever need oil? I'm just going to keep saying that over and over. Why do they need that? It's really fascinating when you look at why sheep need this. It's so that they don't die. Well, that just took a dramatic turn, didn't it? But it's absolutely true because sheep are especially susceptible to flies going up their nose, laying eggs. Those eggs turn into worms, and those worms begin to eat their brains, and the irritability it causes makes the sheep beat their heads against rocks until they die. I know, guys, we're sheep. God calls us that. (laughs) All on the face of a sheep particularly the nose, allows those flies to slide out rather than go up the nose canal. Also, male sheep, just like a lot of guys today, really like to measure each other up and try to exert their dominance over the other males in the flock. I went to a daddy-daughter dance recently. Oh, look at that. The makeup, the hair, the dress. 
Her favorite thing was the popcorn, okay? She's not invited back next year. But what was interesting is you could feel all the dads in the room sizing and eyeing each other up. Am I dressed better than you are? Does my suit cost more money than yours? Am I a better dad than you are? And let's be real, if I had to, could I beat you up? Now, sheep do this by butting heads, but when they do it, they butt heads together. And so what the shepherd does is he puts all on the head of the male sheep so that when they butt heads, it's more of a glancing blow rather than something that causes injury. And also, even though our stock photo up here looks amazing, makes you want to book a trip to Scotland right now, sheep live in dangerous environments with barbed wire, thistles, fences, rocks, and predators, and a good shepherd will check his sheep daily for any injuries and put all on them to help heal them. One of my favorite questions to ask about the Bible when I am reading it or reading it with other people is, what does this teach us about the nature of God? Specifically, God anoints us with oil. What does this teach us? He is the good shepherd and we are his sheep. Number one, God cares about every single detail of our lives. Flies are really annoying and we all have things in our lives that are really annoying as well. And God cares about them and takes care of them so they don't destroy us. Psalm 68, 19 tells us, praise the Lord, praise God our Savior for each day he carries us in his arms. A different translation of the Bible in this verse reads that he daily bears our burdens. What matters to you matters to God as well. God knows that we're going to have conflict in life. Also, we are going to butt heads with the people around us. But when that happens, when we do it with God's approach, he gives us what we need so that that conflict doesn't hurt as much. And God also looks after you. So ask yourself, what wounds do you carry? And what scars are on your soul? Negative family relationships. Words that you've never forgotten, especially from somebody you trusted. A toxic relationship, either yours from the past or one that was modeled for you as a kid when you were growing up. Psalm 23 tells us God sees you, God cares about you, and anoints you to heal you. God deeply cares about your soul. Whatever happened when you were a kid, a teenager, an adult, and now God cares about all of those things because he is your protector and healer. So now that we've learned a little bit about these two voices, what do we do with this information? What is our action coming out of learning about this? And we have a couple of things here, but if you commit to this next point, you are committing to action this week. Committing to action this week. So when you go home, take a picture of your dining room table or wherever it is that you eat your meals. If you have to clear a bunch of stuff off, I understand completely. I did that exact same thing. But post a picture of that table with the hashtag, prepare a table. No words. 
That's it, just that post. If you want to grab a screenshot, this is a great thing to grab a screenshot of. But again, you are committing to action this week. And specifically, your application is to prepare a table for somebody else this week. We know that God does this for us. God goes first. He models this. He is our good shepherd who looks after, cares, and protects us. And because he gives us all of this and fills us up, we in turn get to do that for other people. So as a family, as roommates, as an individual, commit to doing this this week. And if you are a young person in the room right now, you should pay extra special attention because I'm about ready to give you permission to annoy and pester your parents under the right circumstances. If this conversation hasn't started by Tuesday of this week, young people, you have my permission to pester and annoy your parents and make this conversation happen and make this a priority this week. It doesn't have to be food, but it certainly can be. Be creative. Think about people within this church and other places that you frequent, maybe a doctor's office, your favorite food joint, whatever the case might be. We are big Mission Barbecue fans in our family. We were there the very first day that they opened. The managers know us. We have done nothing to show them any gratitude. So think food, encouragement, a fun night out, games. It can be as creative as you want it to be. But after you are done with this act of service this week, when you go home, read Psalm 23 again and ask yourselves, what did we just learn? Why does this matter? What does this teach us about God and what he has done for us? And then close out that conversation by praying for the people that you just served, hoping that they have an opportunity to bump into Jesus because of what you just did. This does not have to involve money. If you have no money, write a letter. It costs you a stamp and it costs you time. And the important thing is we are not bragging on ourselves this week. When I post my socials, it's not like, hey, look at me. I'm so great. Hey, hey, hey. It is not that for a number of reasons because you don't want to repeat that. First of all, you can all be embarrassed for my wife. But you are posting and committing to doing something in private. Hopefully, this is going to create conversation. Somebody's going to see a picture of your dining room table, and they're going to be really confused. They might text you. They might comment on that. They might talk to you if they see you in person. They're like, uh, what is that? And this gives you the opportunity to share the why behind the post. My God fills up this table for me in so many kinds of ways, and I would love to talk to you more about what that looks like. You are creating moments for other people to bump into Jesus. And let's be smart about how we do this, of course. We want to help others in ways that are actually helpful. So if our staff show up tomorrow morning to six emails in their inbox saying, hey, I'm going to take care of your kids, sentiment, great, execution poor. Because as a parent myself, I can tell you we're extremely protective of who we let watch our kids. So a much better option would be to say, hey, the next time you go out, I am paying for your babysitter. That way you are preparing a table for them, giving in a way that helps and showing honor. 
Speaking of honor, we're going to spend a few minutes talking about how God honors us with a feast, and we fail to let other people do the exact same thing. And some of y'all are terrible about letting other people honor you, and we need to discuss this. You're probably arguing with me in your head already. I know you. I've had conversations with you. I've listened to your comments. I know how you think. I was raised that we don't. In my family, we never, yeah, but I wouldn't. And to, par- to, to borrow from Pastor Michael's bluntness, in this specific way, you were raised wrong and you were taught wrong. Taking care of yourself is a good thing, and being a go-getter is a good thing, but the belief that you have to shoulder everything by yourself and refuse to accept help even when it is offered to you is not biblical. I do not know where you learned that lesson from, but it's wrong. So if you are the person in the room who is always willing to help others but never asks for it, if you help even when other people aren't in need and you still want to do things for them and you're always sacrificing for yourself, you are not living fully as Jesus intended. And you have way too much going on of the disease of me. And some of us carry this disease around like it's a badge of honor. Trust me, it is not. I know because I have this degree as well. This is my second PhD that I talked about earlier, disease of me, PhD. But I know I am not the only one. Some of y'all took classes with me. And you graduated with me. We don't have the diploma to prove it, but we most definitely have a disease of me, PhD. And now you are so good at this that you are teaching other people how to live the exact same life that you do. So just know that if you're arguing with me in your head right now, I hope and my biggest prayer for this message has been that you get a text this week saying, I'm going to bring you dinner. Just let me know what night of the week works best. Some friends were leaving our house about three weeks ago, and I knew the direction of this sermon that was coming today. And as they were leaving, my wife starts out with, and she says, hey, if you need anything this week, we are here for you. You're going to say no, and you're going to say that everything's fine, but just know that we want to help. And then another friend claps back at my wife, and she's like, yo, isn't that just a pot calling the kettle black? And I was like, yes, it is. And I was just sitting back there smiling because I knew that today was coming. And I was like, more fodder for the fire, but also more proof that we are terrible at this. So I just want you to know that I'm praying that somebody interrupts your life this week in the most beautiful way and prepares a table for you. If that makes you uncomfortable, I don't care. And when that dinner or other invitation comes, your job is not to object, politely decline, or outright refuse. Your job is to say, thank you. That would be great. No arguing. No deflecting or avoiding. I don't even care if you need the help, the food, the care, whatever it is or not. That is not the point. Somebody is trying to be Jesus to you and show you honor and prepare a table for you. And you are going to say no to that. You are going to ruin another person's chance at growing closer to Jesus because of your pride. 
Author Mark Moore shares that pride isn't a sin, pride is the sin, and every time it's at the root of why we prioritize us over everybody else, including God. So I'm going to tell you as bluntly as possible, stop prioritizing you over somebody's desire to do something nice for you and get over yourself because you're not nearly as important as you think you are. And my guess is, If this is how you respond to other people, this is also how you respond to God's invitation in your life as well. Your job is to respond, accept, and say thank you. And very quickly, don't feel like you have to do something in return just because somebody did something nice for you. Reciprocity ruins generosity. Simply accept the gift and be thankful that somebody is thinking about you. So we don't say yes to showing up at the table to God or to other people because of our pride, but also because of our insecurities. Let me explain. I don't like asking for help with my house. Man stuff. Things that I should know how to fix all by myself. Stuff that society says you should be able to do this. And so every year at Christmas break, I complete a 1,000-piece puzzle because Pastor Mike will tell you that I am a major nerd, but I would tell you I think it's fun. It gets me through the blah dreariness of winter. It keeps my brain active. And this year, wouldn't you know it, the light bulb goes out right above where I do my puzzle. No big deal. Just unscrew the old one, put it in the new one. But then I look at it, and I'm like, uh, that doesn't look like anything I've changed before. What do I do with the circle thing that's up there? That's what the electrician calls it, right? He calls it the circle thing. And what do I do if I pull it down? Am I going to break it? And how harsh do I have to be with this? And so I pull it down, and it's tilted sideways. And I'm like, oh, I did break it. How do I change this light bulb? And then my wife, Rachel, has the audacity to say to me, just look it up on YouTube. And I'm like, excuse me? What did you just say to me? Look it up on YouTube. I'm a man. I'm 40. And you're going to tell me to look up how to change a light bulb on YouTube? And in that moment, I felt very insecure. And I know myself well enough to know my insecurity comes out first as anger, and I get very mad at the situation and whoever is around me. And then when that anger goes away, shame creeps in and takes over my brain. Society tells me I should know how to do this, but I don't. Satan starts to talk to me, and I hear his voice whispering in my head You're not a real man, CT. What I tell you, you're never going to be able to fix this. You don't have what it takes. All this over a light bulb. And if I'm being very honest with you right now, I was awake at 5.45 this morning trying to convince myself to take this whole portion out of the message and just move on without it because I know part of me is going to hate myself later because I exposed myself to vulnerabilities to all of you and I don't like that and I just want to go run away and hide when I'm done because I, we, don't like feeling exposed. Less than shameful. Bringing it full circle back to Psalm 23, sheepish. So many weeks later, that light bulb has not been changed. 
even though Rachel is gentle with my ego because she knows my inner thoughts, and even though I have a friend who is an electrician was like, hey, I'll help you out, and then he was like, hey, I'll do this for you, and now could I have figured this out? Man, I sure hope so. But isn't that the point that I have to figure this out? So I did my puzzle anyways in the dark. (laughs) See, huh? I did it. I don't need you, you stupid light. I'll show you. I can do this all by myself. Doesn't this happen in your life too? It's probably not a light bulb. It's the bad news you get from the doctor. Seeing your kid acting out and realizing that as a parent, I just need help. As a student growing up, trying to find yourself and God and your place in this world, it's a reaction when somebody says, hey, maybe you should give therapy a try. See, huh? I did it. I don't need you. I can do this all by myself. God prepares a feast. God honors. God anoints. Our cup overflows, and we get to live in that goodness, and that unfailing love is what pursues us. And if this doesn't describe how you feel about God in your life right now, just being as honest as I can in the nicest way possible, is this because you are stubborn, prideful, insecure, and you stay, you stay stuck in that place? Are you pushing God away because you are refusing help? If your opinion of God is that he is a crappy God, I'm going to turn that right back around at you and say sometimes God works wonders through other people, and when you say no to their invitation, you are saying no to God's invitation and God's feast as well. You need to prepare a table, but you also need to show up to the table. Sometimes that means yes, even through your pride and your insecurities. So as we close up today, yes, I am Dr. Christian Thompson, and I do have two PhDs, one in the field of communication that I am proud of, one that is the disease of me that I am not proud of. Both are earned and chosen by me. I am ridiculously in control of my decisions in my life, and I'm not proud of my second PhD. But that isn't a terminal degree, and I'm working very hard on making that terminal and taking it into a temporary spot. It's hard. I don't like the growth. Light bulbs expose my vulnerabilities, and when that happens, I don't like coming face-to-face with it. I kind of hate it. I whine. I stomp my feet. I get bitter. Satan starts telling me things about myself that aren't true, and I'm tempted to believe them. But I do my very best to love Jesus and accept his love. Because I know that the Bible tells me in Psalm 23, his goodness and his unfailing love follow me all the days of my life. And that is where I want to live. And one of the biggest themes of this entire series bears repeating right now. Who are you following and who are you letting lead you? 
God has invited you to sit down at his table and experience his goodness. The food is awesome. The host is really great. Are you showing up? Join me at God's table and preparing a spot for somebody else. Let's pray. God, I thank you so very much for what we read in Psalms 23. And those verses that talk about how we are sheep and how real that seems in my life. I get angry and I get bitter about a light bulb. And if we're being honest with ourselves, sometimes, God, we don't feel that unfailing love. We don't feel that goodness. And we wonder where that feast is because we have no idea where it's coming from. And we just need to be healed and anointed. And we don't feel that either sometimes. So God, in spite of our fears, in spite of our insecurities, in spite of our stubbornness and our pride, we ask that you would continue to show up anyways and break down those doors so that we know we have a seat at the table and your pursuit of us is good. It is so very good. It's in Jesus' name, amen.